0: Welcome to Prince Among Queens, featuring your host, Troy Bronstein. In this program, Troy speaks to some of the most talented recording artists in the music business. You'll hear the stories, as well as the stories behind the stories. What's big? What's now? What's next? You'll get the updates right here. Now, here's Troy Bronstein.
1: Hello, everyone. You're listening to my show, Prince Among Queens, and I'm your host, Troy Bronstein. If you'd like to email me you can do so at troy at t-besttalentagency.com and if you'd like to call in today to speak to our special guest you can on 866-472-5787 well i have to say i'm very excited today about our guest i've um, known this woman for many years um she's traveled the world everyone recognizes her voice and I want to give a nice warm welcome to my friend and the diva herself Miss Alternate
2: Yay.
1: Hey Troy, <laughs> hi darling I've missed you so much I know. First I have to say that the years are doing you justice because every time <laughs> I see you you look more and more beautiful I'm I'm, oh, I'm being honest, honest you. and I love how you can just change your look and it's just uh, you know the 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 new video that I saw that I guess was just released this morning, mm-hmm. and you have all those different looks in there. Amazing, absolutely amazing. So thank you, darling. Thank you. That's you know that's the good thing about being a girl. You can just switch it up sometimes. And, um, <laughs> exactly. And just, and just freshen your vibe with new style. You know. <laughs> but it's definitely definitely with all the press and, and stuff that you have. I just I just had to start off by saying that that the years are doing you well. You're looking better and better and better and more beautiful every time I see you so i'm just happy to see you it's like a breath of fresh <laughs> air it's been so long it has it has been it has been so for those of you that are listening this is uh we've got miss Naté on the show before i start off i'm just going to give a little recap that um she's been you know a chameleon in the music business with her different sounds from disco to electric pop r&b house uh, she's Named one of Billboard magazine's greatest of all time dance artists, and she's got several tracks in the Bible, respective as we say, the greatest of all time hits, um, including <laughs> including her number one anthem, "Free." So, we're going to start. I always start with with the very very beginning. So, when did you know that you wanted to be a singer? I mean, did you do the, the choir like some of the girls did, or I I didn't find any of that research on you as far as well choir. because it's a it's. Um, I did the choir, but I didn't do
2: it in the same way that a lot of the other girls did. I I, I sang in my choir, but I was not like the singer. I was not trying to be like the, the lead vocalist and in, mm-hmm. um, in any any kind of capacity in that way. I sang in my church choir because, you know, I just love to participate in, in the collective um, fellowship. But it wasn't something that I aspired to do as a career. It wasn't something that I I sought out for notoriety in any way or recognition in any kind of way. I didn't, um, I didn't really consider myself a singer. And and when I started actually singing by trade, when I recorded It's Over Now in 1989, I really had to listen back to my voice because I didn't know what my voice sounded like um, Mm -hmm. coming back to me. So I was really caught unawares that this was something that, was going to turn into a career for me because I really just did it um, in recording that song. I, I did it as, as a fun kind of thing to do without uh-huh. with any real aspiration of it becoming a thing.
1: Right, right. Well, I read that, you know, um, uh, that you always enjoyed a variety of music and that, um, you know, you listen to a lot of Marvin Gaye and Boy George and they kind of helped Helped you be more experimental with your style and 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 mm-hmm. coming up with you know who you are you know today. So would you say that they were the influences for you, or that were there other people? I had a, I was impacted by a lot of different
2: music. I listened to so much different music when I was growing up as a kid. I mean I I, I used had. to play uh, songs from my mother's uh, vinyl collection, and she had a lot of soul, a lot of soul classics, Chaka Khan, um, Ltd, mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye. Uh, Jean Karn, um, you know, but then she would well, she would mix it up a little bit. So you might, you know, catch something like REO Speedwagon
1: in there, wow. you know what I
2: mean? <laughs> Yeah. So it was it was a pretty mixed bag of nuts. But then I was also listening to things, you know, like Genesis and Depeche Mode Um and, and of course, Culture Club and Madonna and, and things like that on the radio. So I, I had a really big cross section of music that I was inspired by. And I think all of those things became my influence when it came time to actually start writing songs and recording. Mm-hmm. I, I had never written a song either until I actually wrote a song that became It's Over Now and became my first single. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was just kind of taking what I had learned from listening to, I don't know, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, like. Stevie Wonder, this makes sense of how this, how a song should go, you know? <laughs> but that was the only thing that I had to
1: draw on. I, I had no idea of like, this is what you do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't have right. that template. And nobody in your family is has a musical background. So it was just you that came out? No, mm-hmm. not, not in that way, yeah. not in this way. I mean, there are people that I've heard of, you know,
2: older generations uh, that were talented musicians and vocalists that had groups and things like that. Um, But no one that had went to, you know, to really become um, a real artist in any way. Well, I I mean, I've heard through um, my family that I think I'm related to um, MC Light, but we don't know each other. And, um, you know, that's not like a frame of reference for me because we've never met if we are related that we've never even
1: met in a real way. Well, you never know. So, you know. Hey, listen. (laughs) You know, that's more more power to you for creating. Anything can happen. It's twenty twenty (laughs) one. That's very very true. So it's it's over now. Was your first single, and then in nineteen ninety one, you were signed to Warner Brothers, and I guess from what I understand, that was a pretty impressive thing, being like a dance artist signed to a major a major label. You were like the first. Yeah, I was signed in eighty nine.
2: I was signed in. in, in 88, 89, because when it's over now came out, it came out as my first single on Warner brothers. And um, it was a huge thing. Like, are you kidding me? I was like, <laughs> what is happening? What you want to do? Yeah. What? You know, <laughs> when you know, I still remember clearly like yesterday, you know, getting the first phone call from my new a and um, Cynthia Cherry and Peter edge. Uh And I was I was at work, you know, because since I was a kid, I've had a job and taken care of myself in so many ways. I've always been extremely independent. And I remember being at my little job um, (laughs) and and they called from England. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like I'm just this little kid and i like, I've never sang or written songs before. And I'd like wrote this little underground track that was, you know, tearing up the dance floor in Baltimore and New York and New Jersey as a demo um, flow down, you know, on a reel only played by Tony Humphries because he's the only one that had a copy of it other than the basement boys here.
1: Right.
2: And, you know, it was making all of this impact on dance floors in the underground community in New Jersey and then in London as well. And so, you know, this was leading me to this Major label deal on Warner Brothers Records and the in the UK no less. Like, can we right. add any more like phenom to this situation? <laughs> and so I was just kind of like going along with it, but I was observing everything. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've never <laughs> written songs. <thoughts before. laughs> I'm not a singer, but okay. Like, There's worse ways to make a living. I'll give it a right. Shot. I'll
1: go with it. You know. <laughs> yeah, and
2: so that's really how it how it happened. And then you know the the deal was for the that 12 inch. Um, single with an option for a, a second single. They always sign for a second single in case you have a hit. They don't want to just not have right. anything. Now you're now you got a hit, and what you're free to go out and somebody else sign you? Like no, no. Definitely. So they exercise their option for the second single, which you know I wrote. I started writing songs. I wrote Scandal, but I think what changed everything to to uptick even further was an album, is that a diva you remember a diva? I remember was her. Really, yes, she was really, really huge in England. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: here, it was an underground thing. And that's what made it so crazy because what we were all doing was very underground. And only if you were in the underground culture, dance music culture and, and house music culture and or in the gay culture, like in that underground world, did you know about these records? But when I first went to England... The moment I landed in Heathrow, there were a huge, massive posters of a diva everywhere, billboards of a diva. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Miss Sting, Dorothy, you are no longer in Kansas. Clearly, this is a whole other thing that you're in, and so they were doing an album for Adiva, and they were looking for songs. So they, you know, were asking everyone, and the Basement Boys are like, okay, they're looking for songs for Adiva. You know, you want let's come up with a couple ideas, and I wrote this song for Adiva's album that was very kind of pop R and B dance, very different from what I had done for myself on the R&B, on the bluesy kind of jazzy underground stripped down garage tip. And so that song, they were like, okay this girl has a range in her writing style and her singing style. Like there's a lot going on here that she doesn't even know. So, (laughs) you know, it became an album deal. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to make an album. Okay. (laughs) Now is that the blue notes album? That was blue notes from the basement. And that really is what started it. And the whole time I was doing it, I just, I had no idea. I was just following my instincts of, you know, this makes sense here, that makes sense there. And we had no rules. So there was no one saying, no, we don't want you to do it that way because it was a very different um, kind of music that we were doing commercially. You know, Dance wasn't the big behemoth that it is now. We were laying that template, laying the groundwork of what it has now become. But we were the foundation of that, of those first underground dance acts getting major label deals
1: yeah that's true that's very very true and that was the one that that was primarily you worked with the basement boys on that first album correct
2: yes the first album was was all basement boys it was my second album that we broadened out from the basement boys solely as write, co, co-writers and producers and i started working with the influence out of london and working with nelly hooper nelly formerly hooper, of yeah. soul to soul and um you know just uh, experimenting writing with with different people and different production
1: teams and that was when the whole sound was kind of, well, you already, uh, you know, set the pace and set, set the mark there, but that's when it all, you know, started to pop and like Crystal Waters yes. was coming in, yes. Robin S was yes. coming. And it was a very different even. demand
2: by, by that second album. That was like 93 uh, ish. The demand was very, very different. Um, and, and also just kind of behind the scenes, my contract moved, um, because my A and R person, Cynthia Cherry, who had lived in New York, for many years, she wanted to move back to New York from London. And so with that, the whole dance imprint, which was called Eternal under Warner Brothers, the whole Eternal sub-label moved to America. And so now I was I was under Warner US and that was a whole different day in the neighborhood. I was gonna say that's a whole different game. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different bag of chips. Um, and it was, it, was, it was much more difficult there to satisfy what they wanted because they didn't have the uh the audience like the uk and and europe right that knew and understood and loved dance music and house and like you know different styles and it's all dance music it's all commercial it's all pop and you can completely be different michael jackson and you know and then then there's this house record and then there's you know this one and then there's this house record you know it's all in in the bag but in the u.s it was very like what's the demographic you know who do we who do we sell this to? You know, these blending of styles and, and concepts and audiences that we don't know. So
1: I always find it show. very, very, very crazy because of that. And it's so, so different that, you know, as an, as an artist, you know, you, you live here in the States and you're an American artist, but unless you pop over in like the UK or somewhere in Europe, America, they don't even look at you. It's like you don't exist. And it's just, it amazes me on how dumb and ignorant some of those people, you know, really are because they're missing out on a lot of stuff. And, you know- it's hard. It's harder here to break. Um, America is is difficult because
2: when you think about Europe, um, each country is unto itself. And each country is sort of the equivalent of a state here. It's true. So you're talking about trying to align 50 countries that are actually states they're all under one umbrella and you've got to wrangle that how do you amass that whole group of states that are the size of these individual countries who have their own systems in europe so Mm -hmm. like in europe you could be huge in france and completely unknown That's in it. another country in Europe. You know yeah. what I mean? And and there are those acts that are like, they're, they're big in Germany and like nobody else knows them outside of that.
1: That's true. We're going to get into that in one second. We're going to take our first uh, break here with Alternate and we will be right back. And on our break, you're going to listen to her platinum anthem hit, Free. And I believe it's one of the new mixes. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. We'll be back with Alternate. Holly,
2: oh.
1: Hi, this is Crystal Waters, and you're listening to my favorite prince, Troy Bronstein, on Prince Amongst Queens on VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day, we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zock Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America channel.
2: Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite prince among queens. Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Halliday sent you.
0: You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: All right, we're back with our special guest, Miss Ultra Nate, And we were just talking about how over in Europe, the different countries are like states uh, over here uh, in america and how much um, different it is to have a record you know and and for it to be strong and be popular um here in america versus over in europe because you have so many different um I don't want to say alternatives, but you have so many different countries that have their own pattern, their own style, their own, you know, listening. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. Ultra was saying, you could have a number one hit in Italy and in Germany, nobody even knows who you are. So it's like, you know, so to have one that goes all the way around, like you have had several um, and had, you know, the the chance to experience all of that. um, It's just, it's great. Now, I I know, I think it was in 1995, you had a soundtrack, something with um, um, Parker Posey.
0: Was yes,
2: yes. <laughs> party girl yeah
1: party girl that was it that was it i was drawing a blank i was trying to go uh 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 then it's gonna come to me but <laughs> party girl yeah so how was that that was a was your first like soundtrack experience it on was. this? yeah mm-hmm. it was and that was bill
2: that was bill coleman you know the man behind the green gotta curtain. love him gotta love him the manager <laughs> um one of the two who's always like pulling the strings and he's he's very active in the um TV and movie placement um, mm-hmm. world for, you know, song song synchronization. And um, he was working on doing, you know, the soundtrack stuff and getting songs submitted for that. So he threw me into that and was like, OK, you and Al Mack get together and see what you come up with. This is the story. This is what the movie is about. See what you can see what you come up with. So Al and I just got in and he came, you know, Al Mack at the time, he was just like killing it. He had this really clean really polished amazing sound and dance music and um and so i just wrote this story based on what the the movie was about and um and they loved it and, and the rest is history so it's become a bit of a, a cult classic in that way like the yeah. movie
1: now you were saying earlier and i was going to ask you and that and, and i figured well i would do it later on but um You know, when we were talking about, you know, growing up and you you were saying you were just a, you know, the small town girl that didn't know that she was going to be a singer and sang. How was it the first time you heard you on the radio? Man, look.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is
1: like,
2: I don't know if I can really articulate what that's like. (laughs) still
1: getting my head around it. I can it. kind of picture it in my head, just dancing in a little circle and going all this, ah! You know, but.
2: Well, you know, I always felt like that was my 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 angels speaking to me when I would have those kind of moments of just uh, some random moment when I'm not thinking about music or my career or 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 being a thing of any any kind of sort, and it comes back to me. What I'm doing comes back to me organically like that. And I remember one day, really early on, I had done my it's my uh, Blue Notes from the Basement album, which was uh, a top twenty uh, hit. In on the pop charts in the UK, Mm -hmm. but in America, it was an underground record. So, you know, people in the underground world, in the dance music culture, they knew the album and loved it. But in the mainstream world, it wasn't right. You wouldn't hear it or anything like that. And I remember one day because um, the boys also, you know, had Crystal going at the same Mm -hmm. time and Crystal hit in the U.S. in in a much bigger way. And so she was mainstream and commercial. And I remember one day I was in my, in my bedroom and it was a hot summer day. And I wasn't, I wasn't you know, I hadn't been touring for a minute. I had a, a couple minutes to kind of rest my nerves. And just randomly saw a car went down the, the street and it was blaring Gypsy Woman. And I was like, yes, that is so dope. And one of these days, I'm just gonna hear one of my records in the same way, just like in this random kind of moment where I'm not even thinking about the music business. I'm just going to hear my, my thing, one of them things in the distance. And it, and it happened. And uh-huh. it, when it happened here in the States in a really organic way, and I think it was, it was with free because, you know, right. everything before that, my only time, it would come back to me if it was, if I was in the dance music realm you know, Mm -hmm. in that kind of environment, then yeah, a lot of that was going on. But I met just like in the purely random moment when I'm so far separated from anything in that that world. And that finally happened during the time after I had released Free and I was coming out of a hotel one day Mm -hmm. and um, I was in Miami and all these kids were coming down the street and they were off their head totally wasted but they were all singing free at the top of their lungs just like <laughs> screaming it out going down the street and having a blast and an amazing time and I meanwhile I'm like coming out of the building getting ready to go to some event or something and of course they had no idea that it was me standing right there in front of them right um you know crossing their paths and that obviously made it even more special but I felt like that was a moment of confirmation from my angels like you're on the right path and so when I get those cons- continually through the years, I look at them as my angels telling me, you're still on the right path.
1: Right. Right. No, that's great. Because I remember going up to Yosemite and um, we were going to go up and go camping and hiking. And um, we were up at the lodge and this a car pulled up and it's like, you're free to do what you want to do. And I was <laughs> crazy, like, right? you're so
2: attached like to you, the song. It's so crazy. Like you go. I, had, I had an experience one time when I was in Ibiza <laughs> and um, a guy pulled up and he wasn't playing free. But you know, at the time I had my highly recognizable um, bald, blonde right. cropped hair. And I was just, just randomly walking down the street doing something. And this car pulls up beside me and he's like "Skrr!" And he's like, are you ultranate? Or he said ultra, because that's how they pronounce it. Ultranate. And before I could even say anything, he was like, nah.
1: skrr!" <laughs> uh-uh.
2: <laughs> like me and my girlfriend were like, Really? really? <laughs> I'm like, not cute enough to be out the Like, what is he? What? What was that? It was just, it was hysterical, we that still, is you know, funny. have that precious moment to this day. Like the guy was just like so, like like he tuned in, like looked at me a little harder, like mm, no way. <laughs> but the disrespect, the level <laughs> <the little> disrespect. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny. That's funny. So yeah. So then, actually during that time, I mean things that everything started to change for you in a, in a much stronger, positive way. I remember, um, you left Warner brothers and then you went with strictly rhythm and that's where free and everything came from. Um, when you were able to just, you know, I guess, what was it? Warner wanted you, were they trying to pigeon toe you or something into a sound and you were like, no, I don't want to. No, not really. I think what it was, was Warner was doing
2: what Warner does. Um, you know, when I was on, on the UK label of Warner, I was being promoted to an audience that understood and loved dance music and they got it. When I came to the US label, they didn't quite understand the the whole, you know, hybrid between underground culture and commercial culture and they just were like, we need to sell records, it needs to be radio friendly and Ugh. yeah, that's that. And so we were in a in a really weird position because we didn't want to completely alienate the underground culture that had supported me and basically got where I was. They were, you know, the first to really tune into who I was and what I was doing. And we thought we satisfied that in between space. But um, it didn't really take off at at the level that Warner needed it to. So they let me go in 94, 95. I was dropped and I think it was 94. And so I spent the next couple of years writing for what was going to be my next album, because for me, it's never say die. It's always about, okay, this is a really hard moment. Now what? Let me handle the parts that I can control. And what I can control is to continue to make music and to continue to put together an album that when that moment happens, I can have the maximum benefit because I've already put things in place to benefit from it. I don't want to come to a place where all of a sudden something clicks and then you got to scramble to try to, like... Maximize the benefit. I'm already doing the work towards what my long term goal is. And then when when that moment clicks, I'm going to be able to benefit from it. And that's basically what happened. Uh, Gladys Pizarro approached me from Strictly. She wanted to do a record. She knew who I was, what I had been doing. She knew what my history and they didn't need to babysit me, they didn't need to teach me anything. I had come from a major label, I had done two albums. They had never signed the kind of artist that I was. So they basically just let me get on with whatever I wanted to get on with. And that was writing what would be the first single. And so, you know, Bill, again, um, very instrumental on the artistic side as well, was the one who pitched to Swing to be the producers of this song. And we got in the room together. The boys were like, what do you want your first song to be like? And, you know, my only idea at the moment was I want some guitars. I need it to be a guitar rock song. And then we can dial it into the dance music culture from there. And that's pretty much what we did.
1: Yeah, because that song, I mean, well, Free, which was the first one. Yeah, it was, I mean... It was world it was worldwide hit Europe, America. I mean, yeah. it was in the top of the charts. Yeah, you know, it really kind of just cemented
2: like all of these threads that I had out there. You know, I had success in to, to a certain degree in America, in, in a certain community, and I had success in all these different countries abroad. And free was just kind of that it brought thing. Brought it all together. Brought it all together, yeah. and, you know, made it all kind of congeal together. So that that's really what that was about. And and that's been the platform ever since. But there's been, you know. A tremendous amount of work that's happened before that, and since then, and that's right. really the bigger story is the the full body of work over three decades now. Well,
1: yeah, because then you know at that time when you know after free was coming down, they're like, okay, well, what are we doing next? You you already had it like here you go, <laughs> you know, and you had like <laughs> yeah. you know was that um, found a cure and and new mm-hmm. kind of medicine and all that stuff. Was kind there, of medicine so. yep. Yeah, 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 so you were all ready to go. So, All right, we're going to take another quick break here with Miss Ultranate, and you're going to hear one of those songs that she wrote called Fierce, and we'll be back with Ultranate.
2: It's a new revolution. Love will conquer all. Breaking all the walls. Anything goes. What's wrong is right. Just listen to your heart. The music is a judgment-free zone. I work hard. For it. I work hard for what I've got, I work for it, to so act like you know.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
2: Hi, this is Jeannie Tracy. You're
1: listening to our favorite prince, Troy Bronstein, on Prince Among Queens on VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Linda Clifford, and
2: you're listening to A Prince Among Queens featuring Troy Bronstein.
0: Listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at T Best Talent Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: All right. Welcome back with our guest, Miss Ultra Nate. And to continue on, um, with the success and everything of, of Free and that and that album and that project, then you also got another soundtrack. I believe Pressure went into another movie, right? That was what, 24 Hour Woman, I think that one was called? Yeah. Wow.
2: You've been doing <laughs> your work, Troy.
0: I forgot about
2: that. <laughs> so, oh, forgot. You know, Bill, th- thank goodness for Bill as a manager, because I forget all of these things. It's, you know, <laughs> it just all becomes like you know it I, does I hate it becomes so busy, one
1: like, you know
2: <laughs> and then there you know if you could read my mind which was the, big, the biggest one out of
1: them all right with jocelyn the- and amber yeah it's part of the movie 54 god i remember you know that one time i, I I'll, I'll never forget it we were in pensacola florida and um, I came, I arrived late with Viola Wills because her plane was delayed. And remember we got there and um, Jocelyn and you, you, you know, came up and Amber, oh, hey, Troy, hi. You know, I'm like, this is Viola and all that. And Amber looked at her and she goes, now you do know the words, right? And you looked at her and said, it's her song. <laughs>
0: yeah. I,
1: I will never forget that. Because that was so funny. You just looked at her and you're like, it's her song. Of course she knows the words. <laughs> I mean, come on. Some that things are beyond explanation, but you know, that, that was just a classic, funny, funny moment. I just had to, I had to share that because I, I obviously not forgotten that. So, anyways, um, okay. so after, after that you went, you, you continued on and you had um, you know, several more, I mean, albums you released, you know, feel love and brass and pocket in 2004 mm-hmm. and then, you know, freak on. And now you performed, you got to perform because of that on Hit Me Baby One More Time. Now, is that similar to Top of the Pops? Because I'm not, I'm not that familiar with Hit Me Baby One More Time.
2: No, Hit Me Baby One More Time is just like a, you know, the the, the Brits have, you know, a, a wonderful sense of humor, of humor mm-hmm. and they like to take this and, uh, you know, come up with these really crazy concepts for shows. And Hit Me Baby One More Time was for artists who have had like a classic record of note that is defined by a particular era mm-hmm. and you, you know, you come back on like after years to, to perform what that song was. So for me, they asked me to come and do free and found a cure at that point. And I was also pregnant with my son at the time. So that was, that made it pretty interesting and they loved that concept because I was doing yoga and all of these things. And they were like, this is a great story. And, and they had me doing yoga and this, you know, they wanted to do a session with me and, have this whole backstory and all of that going on. And I thought it was pretty fun. I was going to be in the UK anyway. I had a, a whole bunch of uh, press and promotion to do before I was going to come off the road, um, you know, because I was going to have a baby.
0: Right. I <laughs> and,
1: um,
2: you know, so I was doing all of this stuff like in preparation for that time when I was going to be out of the public eye for an extended amount of time. So I was like, okay, cool. We'll do the show and, um, and, and add that in there. And, and that's what it was. Like hit me baby one more time with your previous hits
1: you know, what, what have they been up to? What are they doing? You know, things like that. And that's when, and to, yeah, so it's 2005. And then that's when you became a mother. And, mm-hmm. um, how did that change your, your world? I mean, I, well, you know, it's, it's,
2: it clearly has been the, the most important work that I've done. Accomplishment. So, um, it's, it's wonderful to have a child, especially when you planned it, because, you know, it required a quite a bit of thought and planning in, in with this career situation. Um, and it was so scary at first because I'm like, oh my god, I'm in charge of like this whole life, <laughs> <laughs> the whole person, and I, I killed it by accident, <laughs> you know. So it was a little, it was really, really scary at first. And then you get to know this person, like you're learning this person who you helped create and helped to s- sustain their life right. through your life, which is really some heavy things like kind of get a grasp on and then they become independent of you and your job is to help them become the best representation of who they're going to be that you can while you still have impact and influence with that and you're still for the mother me i'm still you know you're still uh attached to them in a way like that of invisible course. umbilical cord really is a thing because you know I always tell my son all the time like you're still that little baby in the little pony outfit <laughs> First, you know Halloween costume I put him in that he absolutely hated but it's true like no matter how big he gets he's 15 now obviously he's tired I was gonna say
1: I probably wouldn't even recognize him if I saw yeah, him today he's towering
2: wow he's got an afro this big and he's an <laughs> you know young looking young man and an amazingly smart young man. But in my mind, sometimes he's still, I still put him in that little baby pony yeah,
1: costume. He's, he's, and oh, I don't oh. want to
2: let go of that until I absolutely have to.
1: Right. Right. And you won't even when he gets married just release a little bit, but you'll still have part of that there. They, Mothers yeah, always totally, do, you know. That's totally. that's a mother, you know. Yes, yeah. that's that's part of you know the whole. And thing. I love it. It's a it's a
2: great job, and 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 I'm very blessed to have had
1: this experience. I I, I feel like I'm blessed every single day. Well, I remember, like, I I, I remember the whole thing, and then I remember, you know, I think the last time I saw him was maybe he was three, three or four, something All like that. he changed. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. But um, so after that, you took you took your little break. You had your um, your child, your baby, and all that, and then you started the whole Deep Sugar, which was your own again. Always being on the move, on the ball, and creating things. You the Deep Sugar um uh, label and the events, and you started DJing and and went all around the world. I mean, uh, I can't even begin to mention all the places that you were, because every city, I mean, Moscow, Amsterdam, you know, New York, everywhere yeah. um, you were. How was that? How was that for you? DJing instead of performing? And sometimes I know you do both. So, you know, Yeah, I
2: do do both sometimes. And but I love it. You know, it's really just, um, you know, it's another part of my creative expression. It's still in within the discipline of music and art and expression. And I think, you know, it's just natural for me, probably as a Pisces girl, I'm just <laughs> highly mutable that way. So I can kind of move through different disciplines mm-hmm. and shift very easily. Um, and uh, I started when in that moment, I started because the scene was fading here in Baltimore. The The clubs were drying up, the kids had had moved on and the next generation hadn't come in behind them. And I felt like this culture that had uh, given me this wonderful opportunity was now being snuffed out. And I wanted to keep, help keep that alive and create that opportunity for someone else. Um, you know, that inclusion, that place where people find their light and find you know, friendship and camaraderie and understanding and truth, you know, that that fertile ground needed to continue for Mm -hmm. not only for myself, but for other people. And I wanted to be a part of, you know, whatever I could do to help sustain that. So that was where it initially started. And it came from just starting to play. I started DJing one night, just Lisa and I, um, Mm -hmm. who does the party with me, Lisa Moody um we just started playing one night because there was no place to go to hear the music we wanted to hear to dance and hear what we wanted to hear so out of necessity we you know it was like well, let's just go over a friend's house who's got some you know vinyl and I mean and we had our own vinyl but she had turntables she had set a set of Pioneer 1200s mm-hmm. so we didn't know how to how to play in terms of you know the technical part of from one to the other one record to the other but we knew what we wanted to play. And I grew up in club culture, so I knew what it needed to sound like, what it needed to feel like. Right. I'm a club kid, and I was always on the dance floor. So I know, as an audience, what the music needs to sound like. I know as a musician, and, a, and now at that point, as a singer and songwriter, what it needed to sound like. So it was just a matter of mastering the technical part, part of it. And then we created a party. What better way to learn, but by actually doing it with a crowd in front of you, then you got to really like...
1: Yeah, that's the best together real fast. It's trial by
2: fire. (laughs) Train wreck. When (laughs) you look at it, the totality of my career, everything has been trial by fire. Everything that I've learned how to do has been because an opportunity presented itself or I created an
1: opportunity. And now I've got to step into that. Well, you're you know you're a very dominant you know uh, woman and and very you know self driven which is one of the things that I envy about you you know I admire you for all of that and um, you know you've worked with everybody in the business and um, it's it's time again already to take another to take a, another break and on this break you're actually going to hear a track that you did with Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child called Waiting on You so uh, here it is everybody hope you enjoy it and we'll be back with Alternate.
2: Follow the Voice America Variety channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's Hot Topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite prince among queens, Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Halliday sent you.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Hey family, this is Robin S. And you're listening to Prince Among Queens with my brother from another mother, Troy Bronstein.
0: You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: All right, welcome back. We are here with Miss Alternate. And uh, just this, some final um, uh Etiquette, uh, I don't know, the awards uh, that she's received. Uh, I want to make sure that I announce on for Billboard Music Awards. She was nominated for the Club Play single, as well as the Artist and International Dance Music Awards. She won the Best Dance Artist, Best Record, and Best Garage 12 Inch. So that's a, a massive accomplishment, and my kudos to you again thank for that. Thank so, you, Tom. on this last section, I always ask all the artists their three favorite things. And, um, it's your favorite city, your favorite show, and your favorite song. So the first one's your favorite city. It could be a city that you perform in. It should could be a city you just go and chill at, but just a favorite city. It could be because the people you know there, whatever. So where where what would you say is your favorite city? You, that is so hard. That is such a tough <laughs> between Visa and London and
2: Paris. Like that sounds so pretentious. <laughs> so pretentious, right? But um, <laughs> I'm going to say London because I have so much history there. Um, with my music and with the people there. And uh, yeah, that's been
1: a been a serious part of, of my whole career. Mm-hmm. And then um, what about uh, f- show, your favorite show? What My
2: favorite show, oh, again, a toss up. That would be hard between either my first show ever in the world was right here in Baltimore right at club fantasies as when I was learning, like what it was all about to be a diva and be on stage and (laughs) so that's very, you know, impacting, but then there's also London pride. Um, I'm sorry, UK pride. And it was 300,000 people. I was going to say that's massive. That's massive free.
1: And, um, I just got, you know, how do do you forget
2: that? How do you ever forget? (laughs) I just
1: got goosebumps, just got goosebumps thinking about it. I can, I could I can picture it. Wow. That's awesome. That is totally awesome. And then, yeah. song, favorite song. Mm. So <laughs> my catalog,
2: which is pretty vast, uh, I would say a favorite one to sing is would be maybe um, "New Kind of Medicine." I think people really that one always hits people, whether they know the song or not. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I do "New Kind of Medicine," the show is in a place where everybody's in the pocket and they're in it together and they're just ready to like, and they're just open and they're feeling good and they're just ready to love for the hell of it. And so new kind of medicine, when those strings hit and it's very lush, very Mm chic kind of 70s feeling, like everybody's just like, oh, okay, okay. (laughs) We're in a groove right here. We're in a pocket. You know, it's always good to see that, that feeling when people are like, ah, Hey, this is this is an old school kind of jam you know it's very it's like you you already know it like you have a a relationship with the song from
1: way back when before you even knew so i'd say mm-hmm. new kind of medicine cool now i'm gonna ask what about a song that's not in your catalog do you have a favorite song that's no, not in your catalog not in my like catalog. if you that's a lot of that's a lot of songs but um, if, if, if you if i just said like right now if i just said you know hey ultra you know we were at a club or something and it's like hey they want you to get up and sing a song not one of yours who, but what would you what would you what would you pick?
2: Um, I'd say uh maybe you can't fake the feeling. Mm. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I love my disco classics. You can Yeah, can't, no, no.
0: What, I could, you know,
2: I could I could totally that hear would be it. A feeling. Or um like Inside Out by Odyssey or something. I always mm-hmm. sing that and and you know, it just kind of resonates with me in a way. But yeah, right. that that old school kind of um candidate for love, like those
1: kind of disco classics right. really would get those are fun. I, I I like that. I like those, that music too. And, and the, the, that whole vibe and, you know, the feeling it's, just it's feel good music. That's it what is. I call it. I call it, it feel good music. And it, and it still sounds amazing on the dance floor. They, it's, these things were produced like a million years ago and they sound crazy on the and, dance floor. And it makes you feel good. It takes mm-hmm. you back again. That's why I say feel good music. You know, it's not just noise, you know, it's got a meaning, it's got a purpose. It's, you know, it's kind of like, I think a country, country, Western music, um, or country, Western country music, just as a <laughs> whole, you know, how it used to, it's yeah. changed over the years. You used to have a little story, you know, the, yeah. the man beat the wife and she was out and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now they've That's got right. different, That's right. <laughs> it still has a story, but it's a different type of story and it's mm-hmm. becoming more and more, you know, popular and you're um, popping it up. Yeah, exactly. You know, the whole, the whole thing. So that's that's good. Now, I mentioned before, just to um, uh, fill up this last little bit of time before I have to say goodbye, and I don't want to say goodbye, but um, everybody that you've worked with, I'm just going to name a few. I mean, from Lenny Kravitz, The Basement Boy, Stonebridge, Todd Terry, David Morales, I mean, Roger Sanchez, Masters at Work, Delight. Is there anybody that you haven't worked with yet <laughs> that you want oh, to work with? I mean, there, you know, I've been doing
2: this for, for 30 plus years now, so that's there's right. tons of people. That have come into the into the equation that um, I haven't worked with that um, I would love an opportunity to work with. I'm currently working on my next album, number ten, um, and I wanted one of the people I wanted to work with on this album was Heinrich Schwartz, mm. and that has come together. He sent me some songs, and I loved the instrumentals that he sent me, and I wrote to uh, two of them, two or three, something like that, and I just love those works, and um, I can't wait to for everyone to hear those productions. Um, you know, I always feel like, Oh, I'd love to work with Nile. You know, Nile Rogers is a friend mm-hmm. and I've worked with him on his, uh, phone festivals, sit, sit, sit. freak out, you know, freak out, let's dance, uh, right. festivals right. that he's, that he's put on. Um, so maybe, you know, one day that's a, that would be, uh, something fun to do. Um, uh, working with Lenny was a dream to be in the studio with Lenny Kravitz, like playing guitar and singing on my track was, uh, you know, something that I wrote was just crazy conceptually. <laughs> so I think I need to do over with that.
1: There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> I need to do over again. And it's funny because you mentioned, you know, earlier, the very, very beginning on how, you know, you you didn't write. You weren't familiar with writing. And, you know, now I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but – I mean almost everything you are writing. You're involved in the writing for almost all pretty your pretty much a lot of it. Not every everything. I mean you
2: know, I'd say ninety percent of my body. But that's great.
1: Like, that's good like, that you are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know. So Yeah. I mean that's 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 really where I started. And and even as the music business has changed and, and things went for a while, went to the way of, oh, we just need a top line. Um I didn't I didn't do a lot of those tracks. I was asked by a lot of producers from around the world, a lot of new kids that came out to, you know, just do a top line kind of thing. But I felt like a lot of that was kind of throwaway. So very um specific about who I would work with and what projects I would do that kind of work on because I think it's very one dimensional and um has a way of being of detracting from your your overarching talent. And um so there's a lot of reason why I went uh, solo and uh, solo i'm sorry the way the reason i went um completely independent in uh, 2003 2004 so everything i've put out all of my s- uh, albums since then have been completely independent and now approaching album number 10 um you know it's really gratifying even though there's a lot of drama and messiness going on in 2021 to be at this point to be working on my tenth album and knowing that you know a significant amount of them, I've put out myself as a company Mm -hmm. and um, I don't think anyone is, has been doing this. Like we are creating history right now with what we're doing with this genre of music as women and the other women that we've had on the show.
1: um, You know, we're, we're creating history. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. And, and again, my, my kudos to you and, and, you know, I'm I'm always proud of you and, and love you to death and, and can't wait Thank for more because what, when you added. decide to do something, whether it's a little on the edge or everybody's like, really? I mean, you, you come through and you change and you do you do it your way, alternate mm-hmm. way, and it's it's a hit. <laughs> it always ends up being a hit. I think so, you just can't be afraid you know. of that. Like, you can't be afraid of that. You
2: can't always worry about, you know, is this following the template of what's being successful right, right. now? in our genre like you can't worry about that all the time I think you're gonna in the long playing the long game gonna garner more respect and leave a better legacy if you are are you know charging the fences and um taking those risks and going out on a limb
1: every now and then that's the that's the perfect way to end the show with that statement my dear so <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for joining us today and ultra I want to thank you for being on my show and um next week we're gonna have uh Recording artist, Miss Christine W. will be with us. So join us again next week. I'm Troy Bronstein. Thanks for listening to my show, Prince Among Queens, and we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Prince Among Queens. Be sure to join host Troy Bronstein for another great episode next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, enjoy your week.